So I got in a fight when I was in, it's probably 11th grade. This is a true story. True story. All right, keep in mind. And I went to a private school. So when I tell you all these fights, it's important to remember private school. Like if, if I found out someone wanted to fight me, the first thing I would say is, where do they go to school? And if I found out they went to a private school, I would show up at the fight. One night, someone wanted to fight me, and I was like, where'd they go to school? And they were like, Mills. And I was like, no, man, I got, my mama needs me tonight. But like, so, so I find out, I find, this is a true story, okay? I find out on a Wednesday that this kid named Josh wants to fight me. And so I'm like, all right, where's he go to school? And they're like, private school. I was like, all right, let's do this. And so um, we schedule our fight for Friday night. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is true. Our fight is scheduled for Friday night, okay? And so I'm, I'm with my boys, and we're, we're rolling, rolling through, you know, you know, driving through Pleasant Valley, and like, it's a... <laughs> I'll I, I, I tell this because I want you to be in the scene with me. We're in my boy's car, you know, and we're bumping rap. I got my Raiders hat backwards, and I'm like, all right, let's do this thing, you know, and we're, we're staying low in case any of the pool boys see us or whatever. So we're, we're rolling through Pleasant Valley, and we get up to the top of this hill, and it's a dead end. This is where we're going to fight. And I get there, and I see Josh, and I'm like, all right, you know, let's go. And, and then there's like a crowd of people there. So now I'm like, oh, no. Like... I'm not really a great fighter, and so I was really kind of hoping it was just going to be me and Josh, you know, because then I could at least lie about what had happened or whatever, but there's a crowd of people there, and so I get out of the car, I'm like, all right, here we go. I got my war paint on, Raiders hat backwards, take my shirt off, I'm like 145 pounds of solid private school intimidation, <laughs> jumping around, you know, we're doing this thing, you know, and he's doing his thing, and, and we're fixing to go at it, and then, and then I'm like, oh man, like, I know my fight record. So I begin to think, how can I get out of this without looking like a coward? And then it hits me. I remember that I know that Josh knows that I have one leg. And I know that Josh thinks my right foot is made of metal. True, right? Because that's what everyone thought, because that's, that's what I told them. <laughs> and so it's not true. But So I, I look at Josh, I'm like, hold on. And I take my shoes off. And he's like, he sees it. I want him to see it. As if I'm going to, you know, as if I'm going to high kick him or something. Like, I knew, I knew how to kick somebody when they were on the ground, but I'd never kicked anybody in the air or anything. So now Josh thinks I'm going to kick him with my metal foot. And so he, this, is a, this is a true story. Josh looks at me and goes, time out, time out. Because in private school fights, you can call, you can call a time out. That's a legal move. So I honor that because, you know, Queensbury rules. And so... We're pugilists, and so I honor his timeout, and I meet him in the middle. And if y'all have ever seen Braveheart, you know that scene where he ride William Wallace? Ride? This is the opposite of that. I ride out. I got my Raiders hat backwards, shirt off. He's got his hair slicked back. He goes, hey, man. I'm like, what up? He says, put your shoes back on. I'm not putting my shoes back on. He says, you don't put your shoes back on, I'm not going to fight you. I said, I'm not putting my shoes back on. He said, then we're not going to fight. Oh, no, I bet. <laughs> and we walk off. Like, this is the fight. That's my fight story. I go to a different dead end, lie to some girls about what happened, whatever, you know. That's the fight story. Nothing happened. And, and, and I, from Wednesday until Friday, I had been preparing for that moment. Do you know how much time I wasted from Wednesday to Friday, preparing for this fight that wasn't really my battle. 
I was preparing to fight a fight. I was getting geared up. I was getting war pain. I was getting, I was doing all the things, but the truth is it wasn't really my fight. I knew in my heart that there was other things I could have been, I knew it, but I wasted so much time preparing for a battle that wasn't my fight. I saw this a lot in high school. High school boys tend to not know what's really worth fighting and what's not. And so I, I saw fights, not in my high school, but when I went to your high school, I saw fights where people actually got hurt, you know, where people threw punches and stuff. What are y'all doing? Like, but I saw fights where people really got hurt, especially in college. I mean, fights over nothing. People would get, you know, mad or fight. I never saw a fight that was worth fighting, ever. But yet people would get hurt and beat up and all their lives would get damaged. And I got to thinking as I was preparing, just thinking through all this stuff, I sure am glad we grow out of that. I sure am glad we grow out of wasting our time fighting battles that aren't really worth fighting. I sure am glad we grow out of spending days and weeks and months and years fighting battles that aren't really our battle to fight. Or do we? The truth is, I feel like we still waste a lot of time fighting battles that we weren't supposed to fight. I was thinking about this the other night. My mom was at my house. And uh, my family arguing is like hugging. It's just, it's what we do, okay? Maybe y'all are in one of those families. We sit on a table and we argue. My mom was at my house. My mom is smarter than me, uh, nicer than me, knows the Bible better than Jeff. Like she... (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, but I've got this vault of wisdom sitting in my house. This woman has pastored and ministered to more kids with drug addiction. Like, she has done more for the kingdom than I will ever do. And she's sitting in my living room. You know what we do? We spend an hour arguing about politics. (laughs) An hour. And I walked out of there, and I was kind of, she was kind of upset with me, and I was upset with her. And I've you know, I've I've made up with her because Christmas is coming, and so I've done the right things. (laughs) But like, I mean, we spent an hour, and I walked away from that going, how much time did I just waste? Like, how much time have you wasted arguing with people that you would take it back? You know, how much time have we wasted engaging in things that didn't matter? Like, if you were to look at the last month of the things you've argued about and the things you've posted on Facebook angrily about and the things you've really spent your time being passionate about, if you were to make a pie chart out of all those things and look at them, how many of them really, really, really mattered in the kingdom of God? Chirp, chirp. It's the same way I felt. Because we waste so much time fighting battles we were never meant to fight. We're missing out. We're missing out on what God planned for us because we're wasting our time. John 10.10, this is a great passage, man. says, the thief, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is he stealing, killing, and destroying? God's good and perfect plan for your life. And how does he do this most often? In my opinion, the enemy very, very rarely tries to convince you that there is no God. Now, he he might have done that. You may even be in here today, and you don't believe there's a God. And if that's you, man, I am so happy you're here. I would love for you to buy me lunch, and we'll talk about it, Jesus. But, like, I'm for real. Like, I am so glad you're here if you don't believe there's a God, because I want to talk to you one-on-one. I have a heart for you. 
to love you. And I, I, want, I want to hear how the church has wounded you and your pains. I want to know that. But for most of us here, the enemy is not trying to convince you that there is no God. That's not, he doesn't go to you and say, Jen, but there is no God. And you're like, you're right. Instead, what the enemy tries to do is take something good and get you to focus on something seemingly good so that you miss out on the greatness that the king has for you. And this is what the enemy does. He distracts us with things that seem good in the eyes of the world so that we miss the things that are truly valuable for the kingdom of God. And we all do it. We all miss it. And until we get this mindset that, that actually believes we are citizens in the kingdom of God first, we're going to continue to miss the battles we should be fighting. We must come to a place where we believe that our citizenship in the kingdom of God is of higher value than everything else in the world. Because when that happens, our priorities begin to line up and we begin to fight battles that really matter. And again, I'm not saying other things aren't important because they are. Other things are important. And Jesus' message to the world wasn't don't fight. I don't think Jesus just came and said to them, don't fight, don't fight. I think what Jesus says, and I think his message to the world is, fight battles that matter eternally. Spend your time and your energy and, and, and your money and your, everything you've got fighting for something that will actually outlive you. And man, sometimes we're close. Gosh, sometimes we're so close. Like the imprint of the Father is in our hearts. And so we're so close sometimes. It's like m maybe over the last year or two, you know, you've, you've wanted to fight for freedom, for like freedom, because there was something in you that like, man, I don't like this. This isn't right. And so something going on in the political world or something in the schools or something somewhere triggered in you a desire to fight for freedom. And that is the imprint of the Father in you. The problem is we get caught up in fighting for the world's freedom and we don't fully understand what kingdom freedom really is. Kingdom freedom is different. It's bigger and it's better. We spend all of our energy fighting for freedom in America or freedom in the world and those things are good and those things are great. But as citizens of the kingdom of God, we must fight for freedom that's greater. There's something greater. A freedom that actually allows you to lay down your life for people. Maybe, maybe, maybe for you, you, your highest value is I'm going to protect my people. Listen, I respect that. That is the imprint of the Father in you. But when the kingdom says protect your people, your definition of your people might change a little bit. When the kingdom begins to talk about protecting your people, it begins to shift who your people are. When Jesus says love your neighbor, it begins to shift who your neighbor is. And so your battle is righteous, but we get caught up in fighting in the world, and we get distorted, and we miss out, and so we miss, and I'm not saying protect your, protect your people is important, but there's something greater going on. There's a kingdom value to protect people. Love. We fight for love. How many movies have you seen where they fought for love? I don't do anything for love. I will do it. I can't find the key if y'all are going to laugh whilst I sing. Uh. Kiwi. There's a million things. But we get confused about what fighting for love is. We fight for worldly love. And we fight for movie theater love. And we fight, we, we, we don't understand kingdom love is very different. No greater love than to lay down your life 
for a friend. Well, who's your friend in the kingdom? You see, it begins to get a little more complicated when we dedicate our lives not just to fighting the wars of this world, which, listen, if, that's noble and good, but as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we fight something else. We fight for the kingdom. Jesus wasn't a man who thought the life should have no conflict. If you read the story, I think, I think we get, we get, when we talk about Jesus, I think, and Jesus was like the most soft, caring uh, being the world will ever know. But don't confuse his kindness for weakness. We've seen too many pictures of the blonde-haired, blue-eyed sheep pattern. That's not Jesus. Jesus was strong, and he was bold, and he was brave, and he wasn't afraid of conflict. But when Jesus entered into conflict, the conflict had a purpose, and the purpose was building the kingdom. I'm going to read y'all now my favorite Bible story. I mean it this time. This is my favorite Bible story of all time. This one, and uh, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you why I like this so much. All right, Luke 4. Check this out. Uh, I think this is like Luke 4, 14 right here. We'll start in 14. So Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's a cool way to return. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into a synagogue as was his custom. Okay, 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 okay. So Jesus has come to town. He's full of the Spirit. He's, he's already been tempted. He's already, uh, he's fought Satan in the desert. He's all these things. He's been baptized. He comes to a synagogue, which is an incredibly sacred place. And what he's about to do is pick up an incredibly sacred text. And what Jesus is doing in this passage is picking a fight. And it's beautiful, and it's so righteous, and it's so Jesus. Check, check this out. In Luke, we'll, we'll go on. I think this is verse 16 or something. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Okay, this is a sacred scroll in a sacred place. The scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone on the synagogue were fastened on Jesus. And he looked at him, and he said, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Who, 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 who? What he just told them was, this scripture, it's about me. Blasphemy. He's picking a fight. He's in the synagogue. If he is not God, if he is not the son of God, then they stone him to death for this. He just walked into a place where he knew he would not be received and said, hey, guys, your favorite piece of scripture, guess what? It's about me. This would be equivalent to me showing up to your house on Christmas or your birthday and saying, guess what? Y'all are here to celebrate me. And you'd be like, no, Christmas isn't about you. Jesus just said Christmas was about him. That's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's a sermon. You know why I like this passage so much? And some of y'all will get this because some of y'all are kind of country like me. Most of y'all. There's something in me, there's something in me that wants to run towards a fight. There's something like, some of you people are real smart, and especially, I'm going to talk to y'all, some of y'all are real smart, and when a fight breaks out, y'all go the other way. When a fight breaks out, I tend to, like, if a fight breaks out over there, I want to go like this. 
Are any of y'all like that? I know you are, Julie. Are any of y'all like that? And like, I'm the guy who, when he sees a fight, doesn't go stop, stop, stop. I go, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> I'm not that guy anymore, but that was me in high school. And like, when I saw a fight, I ran towards the fight and I went, fight, fight, fight. Like, go, 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 fight, fight, fight. And so when I see Jesus in this moment and he walks into the synagogue and he reads this scroll and he drops it and you know, there's three words in my head. Do you know what they are? Fight, fight, fight. Like I'm cheering and I'm so drawn to our God in this moment because I love the fact that he's picking a fight. And then, then read what he said he was going to do. He said, I'm here to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I'm here to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. That implies to me that they are being held captive by someone. Doesn't it you? Have, have y'all seen Rambo? Okay. If you have, good, thank you. I thought, I figured Rambo was a good one. So it, in Rambo, when he goes to free the prisoners, it's not like you can just walk in and say, I'm taking those seven prisoners with me and we're leaving. Like you need a bow and a knife and all sorts of things. There is conflict when you're there to free the prisoners. So when Jesus says, I'm here to free the prisoners, you know what I think? Fight, fight, fight. Fight, fight, fight. Then he says, to proclaim good news to the poor. All right, he, Jesus is proclaiming good news for the poor. The poor were the lower class of lower class of lower class. They weren't allowed in the temple. They had nothing. So when Jesus says, I'm here to proclaim good news, the wealthy uh, religious elite go, finally, he's going to talk about us. Right? And then Jesus goes, I'm here to proclaim good news for the poor. And you know what I hear when he says that? Come on. No, say, say it like there's a real fight going on. Yes. Recovery of sight for the blind. He says, I'm here to recovery of sight for the blind. Do you know why people thought you were blind back then? Because of sin. It was your sin or it was your parents' sin. And so Jesus walks in and says, I'm here to recovery of sight for the blind. And you know what the crowd should have done? Look, guys, this is going to be y'all's cue. I'm going to point like this. And then y'all, let's try it again. Yes! Y'all are so much better than nine o'clock. I'm kidding. Fight, fight, fight. And set the oppressed free. To set the oppressed free. If you are oppressed, there is something oppressing you, correct? And so if someone's going to go to war with something oppressing you, that is conflict. That is battle. And in my mind, when I hear going to war with the oppressed, you know what I hear? Yes! We could have hung out in high school. Love y'all. He's fighting, man. He's fighting. He's fighting. He's fighting. He's fighting. Fight, fight, fight. He's fighting a righteous battle. He's fighting for things that matter. And look how I want y'all to see how excited everyone was about this in the synagogue. They were, oh, they, they started off praising him, right? And then he comes in and picks a fight that actually has kingdom significance. And look how it ends in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious. They got up. And they drove him out of the town. Had a big truck. Everyone got in it. They took him to the brow of the cliff on which the town was built, and they were going to throw him off. I mean, they were legitimately, like when you're doing this, you're really angry. They drive Jesus to a cliff. They're going to throw him off, and look what Jesus does. He walked right through it. How cool is Jesus? Why do we never give him credit for being cool? He went, not today. Right? He didn't even have to take off his shoes to reveal his metal foot. He was just like, no, dog, not me, not now. I will hand myself to you when I'm ready. Oh, I love 
love you, Jesus. There are battles worth fighting. There are battles worth fighting. And our God, our God is he's a warrior in so many beautiful ways. But he's fighting for things of eternal significance. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it really means to fight for freedom and what it really means to fight for love and what it really means to fight to protect your people. And we're going to talk about the eternal significance that comes when you fight kingdom battles. But how much of our time have we missed fighting for the world's scraps when the king offers us a feast? Think about it. Of your time on Facebook, and by the way, if you are using Facebook as your primary weapon of war, you are not fighting a kingdom battle. If, if little pop shots on social media is your primary weapon, you are fighting the world's war. The enemy has lured you right into his camp. We're going to talk about what the weapons of our battle look like, how we fight. We're going to talk about spending our time fighting for things that will outlast us and outlive us. Fighting for freedom, for our freedom. Fighting for his glory. Fighting for love fighting for people, fighting for the kind of love that would lead us to lay down our lives, even for those who we don't consider to be our people. Kingdom battles, eternal significance. Our God is raising an army, and you're in it. It's time to fight for things that matter. This is our battle, and it matters forever. God, I thank you.